Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility, and from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, You Break I Fix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools? It's true. And it's also easy to visit YouBreakIFix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break I Fix. Hello there, welcome along. It is the Huddle Breakdown. You know what we are about at this stage, and we've got a derby to sink our teeth into, so let's get straight into it. Jico James, hello. Hello, Linda. Twice in one day is, I don't know, is it a gift for us or is it a gift for the, the listeners? That's the question. It's a nightmare. It's like Christmas and your birthday on the same day for you, but for everyone else, it's hell. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Morrison is here as well. How are you getting on? Yeah, all right, thanks. Good to see you both. So, Celtic won, Rangers won, Moy El Unici opens the scoring before. Alfredo Morelos, the man who apparently owns Celtic Park, got his first ever goal there. Funny that. Scott Bain, Kenny, Welsh, Ayer, Laxalt, Brown, McGregor, Turnbull, Christie, El Unici, and Edward made up the starting 11. And for the first 30 minutes, again, Celtic looked like the better side. And then after that, who knows what happens? Who knows what the fitness is like at Celtic Park at the minute for what happened? A couple of questions coming in on our Twitter account. Boy Analytics asks about Scott Bain's distribution. Paul Shaw wants to know about Celtic's stats decline uh, from 60 minutes onwards. And Celtic here asking about Laxalt's eye versus data and how that all works together. We are going to get into all of them because they are going to be what we're, go- what we're going to be touching on majority when we're talking about this game. So let's get straight into the breakdown then. Alan, where do you want to start with the actual match itself? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll start with a bit of a headline in that, you know, overall, overall, it was actually such a sedate game. (laughs) And and how does the data kind of reflect that? Well, there was an amazing amount of uh, what I call, you know, what I refer to as pack passing, which is, you know, taking opponents out with the ball. But the reason for that, you know, that might sound like some sort of German Bundesliga game where you've got two teams just constantly arrowing uh, aggressive through balls through the lines, but it, it absolutely wasn't that. 
what it was was two teams who actually committed a reasonable number of men into forward positions and were quite happy to have their first line broken permanently, but then were pretty compact after that. So actually, you know, in, in if you look at the packing nut data, uh, on average, uh, I think Celtic would complete around 60 passes, so forward passes that take people out of the game. Uh, they, they'd average about 60, and they actually uh, averaged uh, 103 in this game. And uh, similarly, normally there would be five pack passes against Celtic, and in this game, the, uh, the Rangers managed 61. So there's just a huge amount of players being taken out of the game, but it was always the same players. It was uh, in the first half, especially, it was uh, the Rangers front three that were pressing up as a three. And then it was the Celtic front three, with, if you add in Turnbull uh, to El Unici. So it, on the face of it, like a really dynamic attacking game. But the reality, uh, and, and that's just why you've, the numbers, you have to sort of dig into the numbers a little bit, was the fact that you know, it, there was very little aggressive pressing from the front. Um, and and, and teams, the teams were happy to sit off each other from just, just before half halfway uh, back. Um, Celtic absolutely had the best of the game. made six saves. I mean, that's a pretty high number. If you think back to when we've spoken about Forster last season and you think about the standout games that Forster had, he was up around the seven seven saves bracket in those Lazio games and then against uh, in the League Cup final. McGregor made six saves and it's the post-shot expected goals of Val was about 1.4 and he only conceded one. So, you know, he, he was by far and away their their man of the match absolutely uh just just for that none of the none of the none of the particularly you know it was an accumulation of shots or particularly hard saves to be fair um but but they did we did rack up a reasonable expected goals i just want to touch on expected goals so you know uh, looking at the data afterwards that came from james and others from y scout and places it looked like it was broadly about 1.4 to 1.2 something of that ilk so i had it at 1.5 to 0.7 now the, and now, the reason I think for that, I th- I'm pretty sure the reason for that is that what Scout and others have done is counted um, as a shot when Roof tackled Christie in the six-yard six box and the ball just dribbled past the post in the second half. Now, I counted that as a tackle because Christie had possession of the ball and Roof, Roof got his foot in and the ball dribbled past the post. To me, that wasn't a shot. So by discounting that, and that shot was in, that, 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 that moment was in the six-yard box, mm-hmm. I think that, that, so that explains the disparity, really. So, you know, with an, a single-game XG of 1.7, Celtic really should be, should be kind of winning that, uh, winning that game, to be honest. Um, so so that, 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 you know, again, we didn't, and, and I think it was probably a debate to be had about um, the Rangers' approach in terms of, you know, were they actually again like they were at New Year, content to start with a point and end with a point, and if they got anything along the way, that was a bonus. I think actually the way the game panned out, especially how they dropped into a very rigid four-four-two after half time, where uh, whereas previously in the first half they'd pushed up with three players, they they took uh, they took a striker off quite early in the second half and uh, pushed Kent up and, and, and actually played a very compact and very narrow. 4-4-2 for most of the second half. And I think we're just content to take the chances on the break if they, if they, if they got them. Um, yeah. So the, you know, they, they, having said that, to the point, some people on Twitter again, if you look at the the last um, three three attempts at goal in on, in the game, uh, they were in the sort of 80th minute onwards, 84th minute onwards. They were all from from uh, from the Rangers, two of them from corners. 
And Celtic didn't really have a, an effort after the 82nd minute and didn't have that many after half-time. At half-time, Celtic were in a very strong position. And they, they tired, potentially, but also Rangers were constantly refreshing their team during that second half, uh, whereas Celtic, uh, Kennedy sat on his subs and, and barely used them. And certainly, you know, used them in a very odd way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that has been a theme of Celtic season under Neil Lennon and under John Kennedy as well. The bizarre substitutions that don't really seem to make sense. It's probably fundamentally comes down to the the lack of depth in the squad and the amount of the, the players That's that we fair. have in, in positions. James, your general thoughts on the on the game? I think Alan's point on the roof um, event, we'll, I'll call it, because <laughs> it's it's uh, debatable as far as what how to classify that uh, um, really highlights the importance of making a distinction between data and analytics um, and how metrics need to be interpreted. So, you know, it it really depends on what question you're trying to answer. Right. So I, I would argue that the fact that that ball came in the way it did in that area, uh, it's a pretty threatening sequence of play, even though it didn't really register anything of consequence um, it, it was from a shot though sorry james it, it, the, the the ball came in and uh, he a rangers yeah. player headed it christie yeah. actually blocked the shot so they get they got credit for that right and then he, re, he recovered the ball right. so he actually recovered his own block and then yeah, slid I, I, in agreed. the ball off him yeah right and I, I, I totally get it and agree um I, I i would probably argue that you know the chance wasn't uh, was overstated by what most yeah. of the XG models were. Yeah. You know, I think Instat had it high. Um, y Scout certainly did. I think, but but the flip side of that is there was a ball into um, Morellis earlier in the game inside the box in an incredible threatening area where he misplayed it and and had a bad touch. Where if he had controlled it, I mean that may have been yeah, the yes, best scoring was. opportunity of the game. <laughs> if he's a good uh, player, he'd have controlled it, right? <laughs> well, you're right. No, I, I get that. But again, it, it, it comes back to this idea of, you know, XG is just one metric. Um, yes. So so this, this is why I, I came away from the game thinking about this in a couple of different ways that I think is, you know, probably different than, than um, a lot of people. So I, I think of it within the context of the January 2nd game. And... Um, when I look at that comparison at, at a high level, uh, the XG differential that you probably have, Alan, was probably pretty similar between the two games. Um, but if you look at, for example, um, Rangers PPDA for it and compare passes per defensive action. So, you know, what was the intensity of pressing in this game? That's why, you know, people kind of came away from this game as a, a lot of talk as far as like a glorified friendly you know, it was like a dead rubber friendly, not a lot of energy. Um, I mean, Y Scout had their PPDA at 22 um, for this game, whereas it was both teams were, were at eight, a little over eight in the, the January 2nd game. Um, so that's why I, I it, it definitely felt to me as if, or looked to me watching it, that Rangers were really never out of first gear for the most part. They weren't really pressing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer and fan of attribution. So this is not my original thought. This was actually, uh, from Christian Wolf at the cynic. Um, he, he, uh, looked at the, the data at the game and, and, and really commented about, um, 
Uh, Morales is pressing pretty clearly being engineered to deny ire the ball and build up play. No, that's I, right. Yeah, you it probably wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't pressing. He, he didn't press them. He just literally stood in his space. That was it. He was blo- he was blocking the passing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So again, it, it was almost like a um like a like a soft trap in midfield from if you had tired players rather than you know an aggressive in your face press. So they, they were quite pleased just to leave Brown and, and Welsh on the ball, I think, um, and just kind of sit back and not do that much. So I, I, to your point, I, you know, I think they were fine with a draw. Mm. Um, I think that the other metric that to me, the two metrics, and it was tilted to the second half again, we keep coming back to the same theme, um, was you know, if you look at entries into our box versus their box, and you compare it to the game on January, there is no comparison. I mean, they, they had a lot more possession and kind of um, just time with the ball around our box in this game than they did in, in January. And that was with us being down a man for a half an hour. Uh, so just the raw numbers. I mean, entries into our box was 24 this past week versus 13 in January. Yeah. And um, they touched the ball 25 times. Uh, versus 14 in, in, in January. So th- again, they didn't do as much with it this time either. Um, but as far as kind of just control of the game, you know, I, 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 I it's basically what I, I would say our, our uh, dominance and relative dominance and control of the game was better on January 2nd. That's kind of my, the moral of my story because it was a, be- it was a more motivated uh, Rangers team and uh you know, we played a game, a man down for a half hour. Um, and, you know, in this game with them not really going to all that much effort or pressing us kind of in cruise control, you know, we didn't really do that much mm-hmm. with them in that state of play. Um, so that's kind of so how James, I from it. Yeah, James, sorry, I just, like, on that point, I kind of disagree because I, I, I think it's more stylistic, actually. Uh, more than more than an indication of threat. So you're right. T- t- I had um, possession in the box at 25 to si- 25 for them, 16 for us. You look at that and you think, whoa, you know that uh, that, that doesn't tally, and, and it actually is out of kilter with all the other metrics uh, on the game. But I think it's, it's more of a stylistic thing. And if you look at the way that they play, and, and one of, one of those occasions was actually five five consecutive passes within the edge mm-hmm. of the six of the 18 yard box yeah, in on the, the right side half. of that one sequence yeah um because because they they're 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 settled into this way of playing whereby it's incredibly patient and and if you notice the number of times they recycle the ball they'll get the ball out wide and then they recycle it again there's none of this just launching it into the box there's none of this speculative pass or even very early cross of any nature into the into the box they'll wait till they get into a, a position where someone's got time to cross and then they'll and then they'll cross it. It's, it's just, I think it's more of a, it speaks more to their style than the fact that they were particularly threatening in the Celtic box. Most of that possession was in the corners of the, of the box as the, as the ball was recycled in and out again, I would say. Right. And I, I my only point is that I, um, I think that our um, pressing and counter pressing in January gave them a lot of fits, kind of like what Slavia Prague did in their tie um, where when you, you know, this was kind of what I wrote after um, Rangers. I did a thread on the Rangers game. Uh, it's kind of a lead into um, into the Derby and against Prague. And you know they they really had trouble with 
particularly in the first game uh, with Prague's pressing. And, and it very much echoed what we did against them on January 2nd. So I agree with you. I, th- my point is that that possession and that style of play that they had was probably up about 30 yards on average. There was more of it closer to our goal. You know, it's almost like a real estate issue if you were thinking about, uh, you know, two armies. Uh, the battle was more on our side of the of the pitch and closer to our final third um, defensively than mm. towards their end, you know. So does that really matter? I mean, not really, because, again, it was a dead rubber. And it, my point is really that we're probably not going to face them with the conditions being riper for us to have a more controlled dominant performance than we went into that, mm-hmm. um, you know, relative to this season anyway. And, uh, you know, the fact that we didn't do a little more with it, I think is a little disappointing. Um, I, I rewatched the game Sunday night and because again, I'm a total dork and have no life. Um, and, you know, I, I, I misremembered, you know, my feeling watching the game live was not supported by my rewatch, meaning that I, I had this sense coming out of the game. I was like, wow, we really, you know, the, that, the way we went down the left side and the problems we were giving them with uh, Elianissi and, and Edward out wide left, I, I felt like it was most of the first half coming out of the game. And then on my rewatch, it was about eight minutes, <laughs> maybe 10 in, in kind of in that 25 to 35 minute range. Mm. Otherwise, that first half, there wasn't much in it either. Um, that's, so- that's a good point, actually. I've just finished capturing the data uh, not that long ago, and uh, you're right. The, I, the, the, the abiding memory of that first half was that Balogun was just getting pulled all over the place. But actually, he might have got beaten a couple of times, but it really wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. But listen, you know, it comes back to the fact that with Celtic one goal up, if, um, if they then get a penalty and go 2-0 up, that, that completely subverts everything that we're just talking about, it completely, it's completely subverted. It's a completely yeah. different game of football. And, and you can't, I don't think, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I, I think it's right to bring it up because, um, you know, I looked at Colum's performance actually uh, throughout the game because it, it was one where you actually had to take notes to say, that's another decision, that's another decision, that's another, that's another decision. And, I, you know, literally there were 12 decisions throughout the game that Colum gave against Celtic. That in, that, that, and you can see from the reaction of the players, they're going, sometimes, if, you know, if a foul's committed, Brown had a couple, you know, and he kind of run, he runs he runs back, not wanting to make a fuss about it because he knows it's a foul. But when the players are looking at each other, they're going like this, the referee, it's usually because, what are you doing? And 12, 12 occasions, and these were all either um, breaking up play, you know, McGregor getting tripped near the corner flag in the first half, um, you know, Barisic giving the play there and running into Kenny, but then a foul being given against him. Um, you know, breaking very early in the game, getting clipped in the ankles, no foul. The non-penalty decision, which was which was incredible, um, and, and on and on and on and on it goes. Even there's even one, and, 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 and to be honest, this was probably I'm sure it was unintentional. Where actually, column column ran uh, and blocked Brown from 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 from. Uh, from you know, defending a break right very late in the game, <laughs> which was very unusual actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, the, 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 the decisions just go on and on. And as I say, you know, we're here to be balanced. We're here to focus on data. But I think you know, we also we all know the context that Scottish football is played, 
and refereeing is one of those things where you know there is a lack of transparency there's a lack of accountability um, those that select the refs also um, train them um, they also um, you know say which games are going to uh, do they evaluate them and then they decide you know which semi-finals finals and who gets nominated to go to to european competition so we all know that that there's no transparency in all of that it's a, it's so a I, I don't i don't feel I, I have to. I don't, I don't feel. Question. I don't feel. I don't feel we're not being true to our uh, ethos by bringing that up. Yeah. No. I. I well. I. I want to go back to the 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 penalty incident because I want to talk to you about that. But before I g- get into that, I I did a thread last week on because you know there's all this talk about um, cult teams, maybe introducing cult teams in the uh, the, the 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 pyramid in Scotland. Um, so just out of curiosity, I went and did some benchmarking and looked at officiating and just simple, you know, yellow cards and fouls and kind of ratios in other leagues. And it was interesting because it's, there's a very um, consistent relationship in other pyramids and other countries where quite commonsensically lower leagues have higher fouling rates. You know, so if you go into the fourth division of Italy and then the third division and then the second division and then the top division, there's a, you know, a, the, the number of fouls called per game starts like at 16 and then it goes down until mm-hmm. he gets up to, you know, Syria A and the rate is lower. And then, you know, there's kind of a consistent relationship relative to yellow cards as well. And if you look at Liefering, for example, in Austria relative to Salzburg, you know, so there's this logical sequence in Germany and France. And then when you get to the UK, <laughs> uh, in, in Scotland and in England, if you go down to the lower leagues, they don't call as many fouls. So, uh, and, and this is at the top flight too. I mean, it's just, it's just officiated differently. And, yeah, and my argument was, you know, do we want to be sending our talented youngsters into league two in Scotland where they are, are only ca- calling like 10 fouls a game and their, their yellow card issuance is about 30% lower than comparable leagues in Europe. So we're, you know, we're going to send an 18 year old kid up into the highlands to get butchered, (laughs) you know, uh, when we're trying to get him trained up so he can play in Europe uh, in in the Champions League, you know, it just, it made, so that, you know, you made me think of that, Alan, because of the, the, I think the officiating issue in Scotland is systemic and it's probably in in England as well. Uh, I mean, the National League in, in England has the same issue. I mean, just you know, very low levels of foul calling and yellow card issuance relative. Yeah, but, if, if, but James, if, if Colin was incompetent, right, he would call six bad calls for Celtic and six bad calls for the Rangers. If he's, uh, if he's, making, if he's making 12 bad calls against one team. Yeah, I, I don't. Is that, I don't is, that, is, that, is, that, is that incompetence? Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> what don't. Your, dis- what does your analytical brain say? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't disagree that there's uh, probably uh, unconscious bias to a degree that takes place in all officiating, but there is a level of sequencing and, and, variance that would take place um you know so it's not it's not outside the bounds that that could happen in one game and tilted one direction i take your point yeah yeah i take your point i you know again i you know i i i haven't done it um i'd have to go back and look at a long-term sample of his officiating of each team and do that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but yeah I, i take your point i'm not arguing with you at all i just i thought i think there's a bigger conversation about um officiating quality and culture to be had um in the uk relative to youth development 
I think that's a bit, you know, that's kind of what I'm getting at and, and whether or not Celtics should strategically be looking to expose young talent to that environment and whether that's productive for, for, you know, the business plan, so to speak. Um, yeah. The, um, the standard in the UK of refereeing is terrible. And I think we're, that's why we're seeing more issues with controversy in VAR in the Premier League as we are in, in the European leagues, because, the standard of you can give a, a bad referee four replays. He's still going to get, get the decision wrong because he's a bad referee. So <laughs> you need, you need to train these guys up and the Scottish referees rain standards have always been terrible. And there's always been an issue. I, I just don't think that it, uh, it played a, as big a role in this game as maybe it, it could have and has done in previous games. Um, but in terms of the Colts, like the, the difference in the, the thinking beside behind putting the Colts in there is that even though you do expose them to this sort of rough and tumble of that, at least you're doing it in your own controlled environment of the, the Colts are playing your brand of football instead of se- sending the likes of Karamenko Dembele down to someone like, I don't, I, I don't know, like Stevenage who are kicking the ball along. He's not getting a touch and he's still getting kicked out. He's still getting kicked. He's still getting fouled. So I think that's the idea around that in terms of, um, in terms of the game. So let's get back to the game. Um, well, let me the, ask if I could, if I could ask my question on the penalty real quick. Okay, go for it. Because I've had this debate, and I, I, I come at this from an, a, a posture of ignorance, meaning that I, I do not have any background in in uh, officiating football matches at, at all. I certainly haven't read the rule book relative to, um, you know, how to enforce whether or not that was a penalty or not. I, I get that there's. I've read and listened to some officials that have talked about it or ex officials, and it seems like the the two big variables in in this is how do you subjectively characterize whether or not Barisic was wild or reckless in coming into the challenge, which again is subjective. There's no way to objectively say whether he was or not. That's going to be an interpretive issue because that seems to be the linchpin as to whether or not there should have been a penalty. Is that right, Alan? Is that how you would think about it? Because I mean, uh, you, you, the, again, the action of the referee was very telling because you, you come down to, you know, was there contact? And is that contact sufficient to cause a player to go down and, to, and, to, and for it to be serious enough to award the penalty? So, I mean, irrefutably, there is contact, okay? Now, Colin must be able to see that contact. All the players on the, on the pitch could see there was contact. Barisic knew there was contact. You could tell by the look on his face. Um, therefore, what Colin could have done is say, well, I think there's a bit of contact there, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think it was sufficient for Edouard to go down. Therefore, we'll let Wave play on. But he didn't. He stopped the game and he booked Edouard for diving, which means he was his unconscious or conscious bias was never going to give that penalty for Celtic. And in fact, right. you know, you know, how dare you even ask for one? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. That 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 that. If if he'd said, look, there wasn't because there wasn't, there wasn't like he. He, he, you know, he dislocated his knee or anything. There wasn't mm-hmm. a huge amount of contact, but there was contact. And if he'd said, "Look, oh, I don't think that was enough for a penalty," I wouldn't have accepted that. But uh, but at least he's made a judgment. Uh, what I think, coming from an, a non-biased perspective, but to actually book Edward, given that he knows there's contact for yeah, diving, I, I, is, I is, think is extraordinary. I I I have a because I I got the sense, you know, again just from a raw having seen it. And then I watched it back a few times from the different angles. I mean, I, I, I didn't have a strong inclination that it was a penalty. Um, I agree with you. The booking of Edward was egregious, 
But I think it's also instructive that Celtic decided not to appeal it because relative to that interpretive part of it, meaning that I, I think of that back to Enda's point about VAR, you know, ha having been through. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Um video review in sports for a long time now in the NFL. And, you know, it, it's common that these things are screwed up pretty regularly. And, you know, it's, it's always this, uh, um, you know, d definitive visual evidence, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I have to say, having watched that, but I mean, I, I agree with you interpretively um, the way people responded that it did look like he probably touched him again, whether it was a foul or not, I think is another debatable question. But I sure as hell could not see it, like without a reasonable doubt. Like if you go back to the Yeti or a Yeti uh, card that got overturned, like you could literally see his foot flopping after the contact. So you yeah, could, yeah. you know, you could reasonably say, okay, there was definitely visual evidence of contact here, and you know, so I don't we, we, think I doubt that in a even in a VAR situation that they could have without any kind of irrefutable evidence said he definitely touched him there because I, I couldn't mm. see it. And I was watching it 20 different ways. And it's, it's like, it's, eh, it's, it's, pro he probably did, but you can't infer. That's the problem. Where people, I think, when watching football often, um, you know, make the mistake I feel personally is that if you've played the game, it doesn't, especially if, you've, if you're turning at speed or doing any, any action quickly, it doesn't actually take a lot of a contact to uh, to force it for, to make you go down. Edward had no reason to go down at that point. You know, he was he cut back in. Barisic was, was committed to the slide. Um, you know, he was he was he was seven yards from goal. Um, you know, he he really w wouldn't have been in his mind at that split second that that was the best option. But yeah. having felt the contact, I'm sure I'm sure he didn't stop himself falling over. But it doesn't take a lot of contact to make somebody go down at yeah. that pace. It really doesn't. I think you you touched on something important there because I I'm actually I, I I don't like these conversations when we're talking about whether or not it was a penalty because it wasn't because it wasn't given so it doesn't really matter overall my my main question like my my instinct looking back at it was why didn't Edward shoot so a more important question I think to ask is to the best of your knowledge because I know you don't actually have it but what XG would Edward have had there if he does not go down. Yeah, you're looking at sort of around you know point five or something, something of that nature. Pretty so, pretty, you know, a, 50, a pretty good 50, chance of scoring. Pretty good no, chance. That, yeah. That's a very, very high chance. quality. Yeah, I, yeah. I think so, the, so the question I, I, there becomes one of, um, and it's you know, it, it's always tough to 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 criticize a player that makes a snap judgment in in that mm. kind of situation because there was a defender flying in, not even Barisic, but you know there there was another defender coming from the other direction. So. Um, 
you know, with hindsight in an ideal world, would he have taken that without an extra touch? Maybe, but that very possibly could have got blocked too. I mean, he, he would have had to have been pretty precise in his placement to mm-hmm. avoid hitting a defender and putting it in a location where McGregor wasn't going to save it. Um, so again, it probably a very high pre-shot XG with it actually being a goal, maybe not as um, likely as that might reflect yeah, in I, those XG I, models. I think most players are going down, really. Oh, most, yeah. they're, they're told to go down, so most of them are going to go down. Rangers, if, if that was Morelos oh. in the same position, he's going down. So I... I, he I act like I, he was shot. Yeah, I, I personally think he. I, I personally think Edward should have shot. But let's move on because it, it wasn't actually. It wasn't given yep. another penalty. So, yep. in terms of do do we want to start negative or do we want to start positive? Where where do we want to go? Do we want to go with the duffer or do we want to go with the boy? At half time, uh, you know, and, and so you, there was a question asked about Laxalt. So at half time, he had a really good half. Uh, second half was classic Laxalt. His passing was fifty. So fifteen completed, nine uncompleted. He had three cross which were missed. Um, so, um, you know, in terms of being packed, Kenny was only taken out rounds, uh, Laxalt nine. So, again, there were occasions when, on the rare occasions when uh, they did break, it was generally down that that left side. So, he, he kind of got dismissed from my uh, boy of the match uh, for, for the second half performances. I would say of the others, um, you know, cons- you know, predictably both Ayer, whose interaction success rate is 88%, and McGregor, three secondary assists, one key pass, and the highest passing stats of any of the midfielders were the usual kind of, uh, you know, seven out of ten at least, if you want to put it that way. You know, turned you had created three chances, but they were all from, all from set place. Nothing much from open play again, which is becoming a theme. I actually would agree with the, uh, I think on Celtic TV, Elianusi uh, was given uh, the boy of the match, and I would agree with that, mainly because... Uh, he had the greatest uh, scoring threats. He had six scoring threats. So that's goals and assists combined, point point nine six. And obviously, he, he scored the goal as well. So mm-hmm. on that, really, on that basis, um, you know, he played much. Yeah, I I, I would um, echo generally the comments Alan made. I think we're generally in agreement um, on on the overarching uh, conversation. I. I I'm going to go with um, Edward, and I, I know it might be a little bit, uh, I'll, I'll give you my rationale. Um, one is that we saw a return to some creativity from him, which has been lacking this season to a large degree. Uh, so we had that flash post-break last season where he was was creating a lot of chances for, for Griffiths and others. Uh, so he, that cross was just a really great sequence of play. It was uh, I, I tweeted about this during the game. I mean, I, and afterwards, I mean, I think, I think Kennedy should get some credit because it looked like a coherent strategy as far as how Edward and Elianusi were playing together, much more so in the first half than we've seen with Elianusi playing in any kind of two-striker system in any other game. Uh, so there were times, significant periods of play where Edward was down the right wing. I couldn't even believe it. It was like, I thought I had to rub my eyes. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's he doing there? Um, so, and this, the relative spacing between them, you were, you know, they were interchanging. Both of them were getting wide at times. I mean, I, I think that's part of the reason why we had, um, uh, we, we remember so much of the Balogun exposure was that, you know, we were getting people and interchanging them out wide, 
um, where they normally don't. They hadn't been in, in prior games when they played together in a two-striker system. So I, I think that was very positive, and, and I think Kennedy should probably get some credit for that. But, I, I, you know, I also uh, – again, Allen's data might be a little different, but I, I referenced this on Twitter. I believe that was – Edward's highest combined XA and XG versus Rangers um, other than I think the five nil game that he was in early. And, and again, that was um, I think that was pre Gerard. And that was also, you know, against the Rangers side that had a lot of really bad players in it <laughs> uh, relative to the, the, the team on, uh, on the weekend. So um you know, would have been nice had he uh, executed that goal and or gotten the penalty. But um, I think, you know, for him to be over 0. 0.4 in XG and I think 0. 0.2 some and have the assist. And that to me, that was one of our best goals of the season. I, I think that was a just a, the way that the, 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 the play unfolded and the quality of the cross and um, Elianusi's finishing on that was just tremendous. So I mm-hmm. Uh, that's I'll, I'll give it to uh, my boy the match to Edward. I'm worried that because the Scott Brown news has just broken, that he's the duffer of the match. I thought he was all right. Um, in terms of yeah, not for me. My standout <laughs> worst performers, I think it has to go to Ryan Christie. I don't know if I'm being unfair okay. there because obviously I don't have. I see I'm in the weakest position when it comes to this podcast because I'm I'm doing this solely off my eye and on what I'm seeing. So and I to be fair, so, I, I I can barely remember the second half. It passed pass you by so so easily. Um, but yeah. I, just stands out as someone who didn't do much. So, so Chris had a very Christy game in some respects uh, and not in others. So let me explain that a little bit more. Um, very interesting that you say that. Okay, he had he had seven successful challenges. He won the ball defensive third four times, which is more than any other player. Okay, so for, in terms of diligence, defensive, uh, he, had the, he had the highest defensive action success rate of any of the midfield players. As I say, he had the highest number of recovery, recoveries of any of the, the midfield players. He, had, he won the ball back, as I said, four times in his own half. So that's all positive. He, he barely gave the ball. I didn't do any stupid shots outside the box. So <laughs> there's that. The, the flip side of it is, you know, Christie's game is built on, you know, on taking risks. But having said all that, a, a relatively subdued and non-risk-taking Christie still created... Uh, two chances, right? I mean, Turnbull created three from set pieces, but from open play, Christy and Alunusi both created two. So he still he was still up there. Funny, uh, he, he also had that one terrific kind of combo yeah, through ball, ball cross. Turnbull, yeah. yeah, that that didn't quite come off. Well, even above and yes. beyond that one, Alan, it was the, that there was a cross to uh, Elunusi where Elunusi yeah. made a, a run down in the left half space, and it was just a beautiful ball, and he just yeah. didn't quite. You know, first yep. touch was a little off, and it, I think it went out for a corner. He didn't get a shot yep. off, um, but that was terrific, that pass. So so, so a, a, a quiet Christie still had the highest expected scoring contribution of any of the players out of the strikers. So that's a, that's a poor Ryan Christie performance, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 think, uh, I think there's been a lot of confirmation bias set on with Christie because um, – you know, because of the shooting problems earlier in the season and because at times he does, um, you know, he takes chances, as, as Alan says. So, you know, if, if you're already biased to see his uh, warts in his game, then every time he has a pass 
tasks go awry, it feels exponentially worse. And it's out of context as far as what his overall kind mm-hmm. of performance levels are. So that's a perfect example, I think, of because um, I agree with you. Uh, and when I was watching the game, he was driving me nuts. Um, but again, it, I think it's because a lot of us have been conditioned to feel that way towards yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I capture all the data, not just the glo- not just the glory stuff, the, the nitty gritty yeah. stuff as well. <laughs> exactly. That, that makes so, it, that makes a performance. It makes a ninety minute performance, right? Somebody's got to do the dirty work. Exactly. Yep. So who's your duffer then? Who stood out as a sort of underperformer then? For me, it would be uh, Kenny, right? Not just for that horrendously clumsy uh, back pass that resulted in the corner that resulted in the goal. I mean, Um, you could have put that anywhere. You could have put that anywhere other than out for a corner. Okay, so listen, he had the... So the receiving impact score is the score of... You're the receiver of a forward pass that's taking players out of the game. So someone spotted you, you got into space... And you've received a forward pass. Players are now out of the game, and 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 it's good. Uh, his he, he received twenty nine pass two players out of the game during the match, which is incredibly high, and more than any other Celtic player. He had the highest. He had a, between actually the two fullbacks had impact scores of 144 and 150. 144 and 150, the two fullbacks. Basically let the fullbacks have the game, have the ball, knowing that they were going to do absolutely nothing with it. So Kenny was in great positions with players out of the game. Time and time, 29 occasions, he's got zero expected assists. Absolutely zero. Nothing. Created nothing for all that great possession and time. And the fact that they were playing so narrow, they were just letting the fullbacks have the ball and he created nothing. I know he had he had one shot from outside the box with his left foot, uh, which was a bit bit of a sort of, you know, loose moment in the game. Um, and that and that was it. Um, and, 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 and I think this game, you know, there, there is that cliche with players that play in, the Celtic against you know the Derby games that you know is is where you can judge in some respects and I don't think he did he did that well unfortunately there were other for me my summary of Kenny and this is not really rooted in data this is very much the eye test is he just looks very ponderous it just takes too long to make decisions about what he's going to do with the ball he's just physically I don't think he's physically particularly slow he just takes that fraction of a second too long to make a decision about what he's going to do. And, he can, and, and maybe maybe that comes out in lack of creativity in spite of the fact he had so much of the ball mm-hmm. uh, and he really didn't create anything because he just doesn't see or whether he doesn't see or that he just doesn't react quick enough to find that next pass, I don't know. But for me, yeah, he was my, uh, he was my duffer. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes I feel, and I've noticed this watching Ireland quite a bit and even Manchester United to a, to a degree as well, when the pass is on, if the player in, in himself doesn't have the ability or doesn't have the, uh, he doesn't feel that he has the ability to make that pass through the line and break the line, they generally won't make it. And the like, so that's so clearly obvious with Fred playing for Manchester United at the minute. He just, he will always take the option to go back even when there's an option to break the line to the fullback. He just doesn't, he doesn't have the passing range to do it. And I'd worry that that's probably the reason that Kenny doesn't do it as well. James is Kenny yours as well. I I, I actually want to re. I, I, it's all right. It, it's it's, all right. all, it, it's see. This is again. This is where it comes in. I I want to revise my my duffer and make it Kenny. No, <laughs> no too late. You're, 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 you're allowed to change your mind. <laughs> no, see, I'm going to say no. I, th- th- that's what makes this show. We're 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 trying to uh, expose 
uh, why the eye test doesn't always work. Well, I have um, the power of editing this, so I can I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a deep fake? Do we even know if this is Enda? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, mine was uh, also Kenny. I think, you know, I, it's the same MO that we've had with, uh, with Laxalt, which is um, probably just a misfit with Celtic style of play, what we need out of our fullbacks. Um, you know, he probably would be suited for the, the late Lustig role as a, you know, more of a back three, pseudo back three with the, with Tierney bombing on, oh, the glory days. Um, so, you know, he, he seems to be relatively proficient in, in defending. I mean, I, he is. yeah, I mean, he seems like he's a fairly, uh, disciplined positionally and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, the, the other thing I wanted to bring up, cause obviously he was culpable, uh, along with Brown losing Balogun on on the, uh, the, the corner. And I, my, my latest uh, theory to contribute to the debacle that has been set pieces, other than we're just too small that we've talked about regularly, is I wonder how much guys like Laxalt and Kenny have been part of the defending setup in, in marking men in their careers, meaning that, you know, through Milan and through Schalke, because traditionally, you know, usually fullbacks are the guys out, you know, playing kind of outside the box. Well, or on the, the time. They're on the mm-hmm. post. They're on the posts. Or on the post. right, or on the posts. Or, yeah, so, on the post, yeah. Yeah. So you know, given our size deficit, I mean, we've got two fullbacks who are two of our bigger, taller guys, I guess, <laughs> that we're throwing five, in. Five mark, eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To mark guys, strikers players you know the other team strikers and i wonder how much these guys have organically had that in their development and their careers and how much of it they've just been thrown in to do this and it's like well of course they don't look like they know what they're doing because they haven't done it that much in their career mm. um so that was the only other thing i thought might be somewhat insightful yeah but see james james i've, I've been listening to pundits for 30 years tell me that if you man-to-man market corners, you don't concede any goals. I thought <laughs> I thought man-to-man marking was the magic formula that stopped you conceding goals at, at set plays. Just, but I think I, I think having loads of guys that are about five foot seven probably has something to do with it as well. Perhaps. Well, because of the you know I haven't been a set piece uh, analyst by any stretch of the imagination, um, but I have started to notice because of the debacle that has unfolded this season with Celtic. Uh, I take notice of how other teams approach some things. And it's very interesting. If you watch Davis for Rangers, he lines up as if he's defending zonally. And then depending on where the ball is kicked, he reads the aerial flight of the ball. And then if, it, if it's not going to be in his direct zones, he immediately goes to the front post and marks the post. So in some ways, it's a hybrid approach, meaning that you hear people say, well, you don't put people on the post because it's better marking you know, the ball, this is almost like a, a, a mixture of those two, where he has that kind of zonal responsibility. If the ball looks like it's coming his direction. And then if it's not, he very quickly gets on that post. And you're, I mean, I'm sure you remember guys that I think he was two uh, Julian shots that he knocked off of the post in uh, I think it was the, the December 29th uh, defeat when we lost to them. 
um, where he just, you know, was on the post. And then, you know, you get people that automatically revert back to their bias. You know, you mm-hmm. get the, the throwback crew that says, why don't, why the hell don't we have guys on posts? And then you have people say, well, statistically, it's better if you, you know, have people off of the posts. And I'm like, well, this well, is a both. really interesting way that seems like it's both. I, I personally think just stick a man on the back post. You don't really... <laughs> It's like you, you don't you don't really you don't really need a guy on the front post to be honest because generally you're you're covering the zone anyway. But I I I just think it's a no brainer for me to stick a man on the back post because that's majority of the time where you see the ball going in from a corner. <laughs> uh, but again, if you stick John Joe Kenny on the post, I mean he's what five eight. So if it's if it's a, if it's a good header, it's probably going over his head. So that that's where you're getting the issues. Do we have a stat of the day before we finish up? You have one, Alan? If not, Ooh. I got one. Go on, go for it. Yeah, I, 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 mine, again, mine was uh, that, that PPDA differential. Can you yeah. just explain what PPDA is? Yeah, so it's pa- pa- passes per defensive action. So okay, uh, yeah, yeah. To, to, me, th- to me, that's the stat of the day because, or the game, because it really describes how much this was like a friendly <laughs> in, in many respects. So uh, the, the level of intensity and energy uh, just wasn't there, and and I to me that was disappointing. I mean, Celtics was, you know, t- uh, ten point five, um, but so that was in the neighborhood of being okay. Um, but you know, like I said, I I, I was disappointed with how much it, the game just kind of lacked what what maybe a lot of us had hoped going in, which is it would be a more exciting derby, and you know, yeah, fans in, much in it. fans in the stadium makes the difference in these type of games that don't really matter like there's there's no way that it would have been as lax a days ago in the second half if there was right. 60,000 people in the stadium I just I refuse to believe that even if the league was gone since there's not really there's no big news happening with Celtic these days there's no there's <laughs> there's no big, big names that haven't uh-huh. managed in 10 years being being linked to the job I think it's time to finish up this podcast we might if if Celtic do manage to appoint <laughs> the guy that was linked with the <laughs> job. I just can't get Don't. it out of my head. I can't believe that. I I just can't believe there's a guy who who hasn't managed in a decade, and even when he was managing, he was managing a relegation candidate championship side, and he's the favorite for the job. It's just it's baffling. Yes, <laughs> I, I know you don't have It is baffling. It's it's baffling. So we we might touch on that if he gets the job, and we'll 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 all say a prayer in between that that he doesn't actually get the job because God Almighty, we need our sanity at some point. The split is happening next time we are talking to you. It will be the the final couple of games of the season, and we do have the Scottish Cup against Falkirk to to yes, my hometown too. Yeah, oh, nice one. <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully we don't go the same way as Hearts and lose to a team that haven't played <laughs> since Christmas. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I I I don't know if uh, that game isn't going to get covered. It hasn't shown up in Y Scout yet, so I've been looking di- diligently because I've been curious to see what the mm. the backdrop of that game was because I didn't get to see it. But well, uh, uh, yeah, because they are doing the Scottish Lower Leagues now, aren't they? On Y Scout? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It was an early cup game, so I don't know when they pick up the cups. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's not so good on cups, is it? They don't do league cup, do they? No, nah, uh, yeah, they do. They they picked up the league cup, but again, that that doesn't have as many early rounds. So, um, but yeah, I <laughs> my, my, the, the joke I came out of is is th- through the uh, you know the six degrees of L- Neil Lennon. Does that mean that we could lose to uh, 
you know, a team of Brorar, if they make it, if they make it deeper in, would they be a threat to us? Cause we almost lost the, that hearts team uh, in December. So. Well, listen, everyone, everyone just say we prayer to the God that doesn't exist. And hopefully we'll come away with this as uh, a, in a little bit better condition than hearts went in uh, to that Scottish cup. So uh, if you want to listen back to this podcast, you can get it on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcast really you can get us on twitter as well at hollow breakdown and if you do believe in god i apologize for saying he doesn't exist he does exist to you and that's okay so we'll chat to you later Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. 
Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture Glass Prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Enjoy! Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.